Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's April 5th, 2020, and this is the Corona Chronicles, Day 24. Good evening, everyone, and here are today's news and notes. Our first news comes from USITT. From April 6th through the 9th, USITT will be holding a series of webinars. Tomorrow starts their free online learning opportunities titled New at Noon and Forum at Four. Please be sure to go to USITT.org or visit their Facebook or Instagram page for more information about the schedule for the week, which runs from Monday through Thursday. Some of the offerings include Cable Monkey LLC presents its new products, Cable Monkey. Little Grant Ladder Systems presents King Combo. Vectorworks presents updates to Spotlight, Vision, and Braceworks. And also, Techs Against Insanity, presented by Ninja. Some of the forum F4s, contract negotiations, strategies for lessening the stage management gender wage gap. If you can't find it, you can't use it, costume inventory resources. 3D modeling for theater and exhibit design. And of course, Lighting Large Scale Productions. So, again, be sure to check out USITT's webinar schedule for April 6th through the 9th, 2020. Some of the opportunities take place are at the New at Noon and also the Forum at 4. So I think it's a pretty good giveaway when these things start. But just make sure to double check to make sure that the times have not changed. Our next piece of information comes from the president of Oystat, Mr. Bert Dieterman. It says here, Dear Oystat friends, a message from me as your Oystat president. Just the other day, I got reminded by my cell phone to check in for my flight from Houston to Havana, attending USITT, where I wanted to get inspired, meet friends from all over, and of course, do my annual checkup with the board, provided an excellent bonus opportunity to travel onto Cuba, to join the Congress of Theaters of Latin America, Perfect timing, with just one but. I was not in Houston when I received my phone alert to check in for my Havana flight. I was at home in the Netherlands in a lockdown situation because of the COVID-19 virus. I don't think there is any one of us who is not affected by the corona pandemic. The impact is grave. My deepest respect primary goes to those who work in healthcare in whichever way. They are the heroes of our time. The global economy is shaking and all economic activity is in danger affecting people's lives in a severe way. With such big issues to deal with, art might seem a superfluous matter. It's not, on the contrary. Art is the silent engine that makes the world a better place. It's proving itself to be true now that the pandemic has confined us to our homes, and we feel the lack of it. Not being able to practice, to create, to interact, whereas that is exactly where we normally all strive at, sharing a live experience. It's important, its importance is all the more clear now that we are lacking it. I'm impressed by the creativity found on a new stage, the digital one. Initiatives are emerging on the digital platform in order to create bridges in these difficult times. Our sector is proving its resilience. My respect goes to you all. Staying positive, although you have to be working in solitude instead of on teams. Seeing your opening nights canceled, audiences absent, work postponed, income evaporated, and still finding ways to share your work and be constructive. All working hard and setting the example to stay positive, preparing and rehearsing at home, performing on your balcony, 
giving lessons in Zoom or Hangout sessions. In short, being able to stay optimistic and inspiring. Especially now, we have to show unstoppable belief in the healing force of art, for our soul needs mending and comforting too. I'm proud of all of you. Stay safe, stay healthy, be careful out there. Bert Dieterman, president of Oistet. Thank you, Bert. From our friends on Broadway, and these are some updates from, from Playbill. It says here, Celia Keenan-Bolger, Gideon Glick, and more start a virtual meal train to support hospital workers. The Broadway stars launch hashtag Broadway Feeds Bellevue to provide meals for ICU workers while supporting local restaurants. Tony Award Celia winner Celia Keenan-Bolger, her former To Kill a Mockingbird co-star Tony nominee Gideon Glick, and writer Victoria Myers teamed up to launch Broadway hashtag Broadway Feeds Bellevue, a campaign to supply meals sponsorships for medical professionals working at Bellevue's hospital's intensive care unit. The initiative kicked off April 3rd. The initiative solicits donations for a virtual meal train. The team uses the donations to order meals from local restaurants, which have been suffering due to the pandemic, and send the meals to Bellevue for night shift workers who need to provide their own meals. The establishments currently participating in the meal train are Westville, Ruby's, Tame, and Village Den. Bellevue is the oldest public hospital in the United States and one of the largest in the nation. This food feeds more the feeds those laboring on the front lines. In the, la in the first 24 hours of the meal train's activation, Broadway Fields feeds Bellevue raised nearly $30,000 with donations from Broadway and beyond. Donors include Lynn Manuel Miranda, Rachel Brosnahan, Kelly O'Hara, Stephanie Block, and Sebastian Arcelis, Casey Levy, Patty Murin, and Colin, Colin Donnell, Laura Bennett, Cynthia Nixon, Zachary Quinto, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Latanya Richardson Jackson, Ashley Park, Arian Moyad, Judith Light, Andrew Rannells, Benji Pasek, Christopher Hank, Brandon Uranovitz, Bartlett Shear, Michael Yuri, Ari Grainer, Lee Silverman, Jeannie Tesori, among others. Sign up to sponsor a meal here. Each meal sponsorship Food for workers for one night is $150. However, no donation is too small, and the team will combine multiple small donations to fund a meal. So please, if you feel impassioned to help these folks, please, please, please reach out to Broadway Feeds Bellevue. That's hashtag Broadway Feeds Bellevue. Of course, all links will be provided in today's news and notes. Another piece of information that comes from Playbill. Until the lights come up and Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tariko sell merchandise to benefit Broadway Cares. Sales of shirts, stickers, and more will benefit the Broadway Cares COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Fund. Until the lights come up, a new website and online store created by Hamilton production carpenter Andrew Sullivan and associate sound designer Jason Crystal with Hudson Theatrical Associates production manager Franklin Swan and T. Rico, Lin-Manuel Miranda's official artist merchandise shop, are both raising funds for Broadway Care's COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Fund. Until the Lights Come Up is currently selling shirts and stickers featuring artist Madison Hayes' rendering of a theater's ghost light, which is left on the stage of a theater when the house is empty and would otherwise be dark. Of course, you can view the merchandise from Playbill's website. 
Shipping is expected to begin in the middle of the month. Whatever your belief is about the history of the ghost light, we thought it was an apt symbol for the project, said Franklin. At night, it's a sign of safety, but during the day, it welcomes the cast and crew back to their second home. No doubt, these ghost lights will be there to welcome us all back to the theater soon. We hope the merchandise will serve as both a physical reminder of the challenge so many in our industry are going through right now, and also as a reminder of how this community comes together to support one another, added Swan. T. Rico, the online store run by friends and family of Hamilton creator Miranda, is currently selling several new items, including pullovers, shirts, and sweaters. 100% of the proceeds from the BC slash EFA fundraiser collection for theater workers will benefit the Emergency Assistance Fund and will ship for free in the U.S. The new items were designed by Dominic Grijalva and feature 10036, the Broadway zip code with the most theaters. Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Funds assist those in the entertainment community, on stage and behind the scenes, who are facing healthcare crises and other needs in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Page two. These stories come from our friends at thestage.co.uk. Our first story, Coronavirus, Arts Council of Wales announces £7 million emergency fund. The Arts Council of Wales has unveiled its £7 million rescue package to help prevent the Welsh cultural sector against the impacts of coronavirus. Full details of the scheme will be published next week on April 7th as the funding body affirmed its commitment to the organizations and artists that are most at risk with a multi-million pound resilience fund. It follows similar packages announced by Arts Council England and Creative Scotland. The £7 million resilience fund has been joint financed by the Arts Council of Wales and the Welsh Government and will comprise both individual and organizational support. Arts Council Chair Phil George said the money would address immediate financial crisis and hardship in the Welsh arts sector amid the COVID-19 outbreak. We have already relaxed funding requirements for organizations and individuals who have grant funding in place, allowing them to respond flexibly to the new challenges that they face. But today we go further. The Arts Resilience Fund will bridge the gap between immediate crisis and a future of new creative activity post-coronavirus, a future which is already stirring in the imaginations of our inventive artistic community, he said, adding that he felt it essential that every effort is made to ensure that the arts in Wales survive. The fund will join several other support packages already announced by both the UK and Welsh governments, including a £500 million Wales-focused business support plan, which is open to arts organisations. Nick Capaldi, the Arts Council's chief executive, added, our immediate task is to ensure that the opportunities offered by this unprecedented range of support are clear and easily understood, and we're working around the clock to finalize the practice detail, the practical detail. We know that those working in the arts are anxious to perform detail, but we hope that they'll feel the arts in Wales and best served by taking a day or two longer to get this right. We'll provide details for this fund on Tuesday, April 7th. Our next story from the stage, coronavirus. Competition invites over 70s to write plays during isolation. A new national competition has been launched for over 70s to encourage people with no professional experience in the arts to create new works of writing, drama, poetry, music, and art while they are quarantined. Called the King Lear Prizes, the competition will offer 1,000 pound prizes for short stories, short plays, poetry, 
solo music compositions, and art. Sophisticated and winning entries will be performed by actors and musicians and broadcast online for the public. The prizes have been set up by a committee of young people from the arts, local government, and media from across the UK. Judges for the competition, which is supported by Charity Age UK, include broadcaster Giles Brandreth, actor Adil Ray, and cellist Julian Lloyd Webber. Lloyd Webber, who will judge the musical competition category, said, In these extraordinary times, there will be many people stuck indoors with time on their hands. This is a great opportunity to turn to music and the arts and to start composing or writing. These new King Lear prizes are a brilliant idea because they give people a challenge to work on while in isolation. You don't need experience. You just need to be willing to give composing or writing a try. Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight, who will judge the short drama category, said, While people are at home, I would urge them to enter the competition and set themselves a goal that they can work towards over the next few weeks. There is a lot of talent out there among people who have simply never tried before. I'm looking forward to seeing the entries and uncovering some hidden talents. Give it a go. What have you got to lose? In the coming weeks, the competition may be widened to other groups, such as children, who are stuck at home during the coronavirus outbreak as further sponsorship is secured. Members of the public can submit their entries by email or post with more information. Of course, all information of these events will be provided in the news and notes for this podcast. Page three. Today, I learned some new information about a theater that I had not known about previously. The theater that I speak of is the National Theater in Algiers. For those of you who don't know, Algiers is situated on the west side of a bay of the Mediterranean Sea. The modern part of the city is built on the level ground by the seashore. The old part, the ancient city of the, of the Dees, climbs the steep hill between the modern town and is crowned by the Casbah or Citadel, 400 feet above the sea. The Casbah and the two quays form a triangle. The theater that I, I speak about, the National Theater, is best described as this. The construction of the Opera House was started in the period of the French occupation starting in May 1850 in implement implementation of the Napoleon III decree, and the works continued until September 1853 until the supervision of architects Charles Frederick, Friedrich Cesario and Justin Bonsard in the new Baroque style. Algiers Opera was opened on September 29, 1853, and the first play entitled Algeria, 1830 to 1853 was shown, and it witnessed the presence of major international artists. On March 19, 1882, the opera was subjected to a terrible fire that, that came on the building without damaging the outer walls, and the French occupation authorities demolished it to be rebuilt in the following year, based on the design of the French engineers Raymond de Fourou and Emmanuel Rimpenberry and the opera witnessed the first Algerian play was presented in 1893, and it was entitled Mystery of His Tongue, Mystère da sa Languille, and it was embodied by an elite of high school students from Algeria. In 1937, the French occupation authorities commissioned the engineers Raymond Tavaro and Emmanuel Grimanpraz to redesign the external facade of the opera, and the work continued for about two years, before the Algerian opera reopened in 1939. After Algeria's independence, it turned the opera house building 
to the to the headquarters of the Algerian National Theater after the decision to nationalize on January 8, 1963, pursuant to Decree Number 12/63, which approved the establishment of the Algerian National Theater Company and a National Theater Center. On the occasion of Algeria's hosting of the African Cultural Festival in 1969, the building of the Algerian National Theater underwent new restoration works, and the building was subjected to extensive restoration works between 1997 and 2000. The President of the Republic, Abdel Aziz Bouteflika, reopened the Algerian National Theater on the 16th of April 2000. The event witnessed the launch of the name of the theater, Mohedin Bastarazi, to the theater establishment, which, is which celebrated for a full month the demonstration of the Spring Theater. The restoration work in the years 2003, 2009, and 2011 allowed the renovation of the Great Hall, Mustafa Kateb, as well as the walls and ceiling, which allowed the Algerian National Theater to continue its activities and receive several national and international cultural demonstrations. The headquarters of the Algerian National Theater continued to host most of the major theatrical works, as this edifice hosted the largest international teams from Beijing Opera to the Russian Bolshoi Theater Ensemble, passing by the Piccolo Theater of the Italian city of Milan. In addition to the Japanese theater and symphony orchestras of several countries, as well as theatrical teams from Syria, Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, and others. You can check out this website and the information that I just read, which will be included in the show notes. There are also photos of these historic theater buildings, as well as other documentation, biographies, and much, much more. Thank you, everyone, for another great opportunity to bring you some news and notes from around the world, and hopefully, maybe near you, from our friends in the theater community, performance community, and all around. My name is Richard Bryant, and I have been your host. It's April 5th, 2020. This has been the Corona Chronicles, Day 24. Have a good evening, stay healthy, and good night. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on how to make this podcast better, please send them to archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's archivett24 at yahoo.com. <laughs>